We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone, touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone, touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. Friday. We're here. John Ellis, Billy Marshall. It's the war on Blue Wire. We're the Carolina Panthers podcast of record for the Blue Wire family. Hope everybody's doing well today. We got a good one for you. We want to talk defense. We've been talking a lot of offense, been talking a lot of Cam Newton. Time to push past that a little bit here and get into the nuts and bolts of the Carolina defense. Phil Snow, a lot of moving parts, a lot of young guys. Who better to invite on our show to chat about that and the great Cody Alexander from MatchQuarters.com, one of the leading defensive minds out there on Twitter. Cody, how you doing, bud? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Cody, tell our listeners a little bit about your journey here. Obviously, you spent that time at Baylor on their staff defensively, and you do some great work here in terms of film study, defensive schematics, breakdowns. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so uh, I started uh, coaching probably about 10 years ago, got an opportunity to be an intern at Baylor, which turned into a GA job when I, I was there for three years. After that, I left Baylor and I went into coaching high school football, and probably about four years ago, I started writing 
on match quarters and just kind of putting my research that I've been doing and just kind of putting my thoughts on how, how I see football and different things out on matchquarters.com. And it, it's kind of blossomed into this, uh, kind of this really cool thing. And I've written four books on, on defense and, uh, each one is kind of unique and that's kind of what I kind of do. And I, I'm a writer and then I coach and I, and I teach. Yeah. It's, it's definitely been really revealing to not only read your work, but also to hear your stuff too. I've listened to other podcasts you've been on and you and I had a discussion earlier in January when Phil Snow was hired. So let's get right into it. And I know you weren't working directly with Baylor uh, when Matt Rule came in in 2006, 17, 2017, right. right? Yes. But what can you tell me about the type of defense that they were able to install the last three years? Because if you just look at their bottom line production, it has been a gradual improvement year after year after year. In 2019, I thought Baylor had one of the best defenses in the nation period and doing it in a, in a conference where you have all these explosive offenses, even more impressive. So can you just discuss the gradual process and improvement that you saw with the defense that Phil Snow is able to implement? Yeah. I, the one big thing that, that rule brought that maybe wasn't there when I was there under Bryles was just, it, you know, Bryles is an offensive guy. He's a, he's a player's coach. It was a little bit, you know, a, a little bit looser. And I thought rule came in and kind of put uh, everybody was kind of, and he had to, everybody was a little bit more in line. Everybody, you know, this is who we are, the aggressive stuff. You know, he's the one that was doing a bowl in the ring before pregame and things like that. I know that was went around uh, Twitter a few times and was on, on ESPN, I think, but I thought they, fundamentals and discipline and really kind of the things that you hear a lot of high school coaches talk about. That's kind of what he was about. And they started out running their, their three, four cover one and cover three stuff. And like coaches that have done that before in the big 12, Manny Diaz uh, is, is one that comes to mind. Um, it, it, you just kind of, and Charlie Strong is another one. It, it, you just, when you come in and you start doing that, you're going to get exposed. And they needed to make a change. Their numbers were bad. I, they're defensively, they were the worst that, that that pair, Rule and Snow, have been the first two years they were there. And then they decided to make a wholesale change and, and turn that 3 4 and match their personnel a little bit better and turn it in really to a 3 3 5. Mm -hmm. which is what they ended up running that last year. Uh, and I felt what they did, it, I thought it was really smart. They took two corners and they, that could play safety and they put them on the hash. And so they were able to really control the seams, which is one of the weaknesses in cover three, but they were really able to, to really cover the seams pretty well because they could man up and they could place a man and, and it allowed them to be really aggressive up front uh, and be a, be disruptors. And I thought, you know, what they did in the decision to change, they had talked about it because I know that cause I went and visited in 2017 and they were talking about making a change. And so, or 2018 going that spring going into 2018. And so then you're watching 2018 thinking, okay, they're going to start doing it with the three high safety. And they really didn't. And it was really that wholesale change in the spring of 19 that really got them to where they, where they were uh, last year. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and one thing I want to get into specifically, and I know it could be a little difficult for some people to comprehend, but I think it, you're doing a pretty good job of staying, uh, making it easy to kind of comprehend a lot of the technique and coverages. But I want to go into the what, what Baylor uses a 505 front in most of their alignments. Am I correct? Yes. So, I mean, I'm just reading one of your past articles. You say that the backers essentially have to hug the box, but what type of coverages do you have to implement, you know, within that? You can run, really, you can run almost any coverage because you're going to have a a six-man box regardless. It's just going to look a little different than tradition because of where that middle safety is playing. So if you think about it, okay, we want to run quarters. What you're doing is you're taking your regular 3-4, you're taking one of the inside backers, and you're just going to turn him into a safety and stack him 10 yards behind the box. And so what you're doing is instead of having a traditional Mike and Will in 30s, which means that they're on the outside shoulder of the guard, mm-hmm. you're moving the, the Mike into a zero, and you're taking that Will linebacker, and you're making him a safety, and you're going to line him up, and he's going to relate to the number three receiver. So if you think about it that way, the offense can only send five people out at any given time. So that's how you figure out where number three is. So number three is always the midpoint of the coverage. So if I count from sideline in, I can find three. If three is in the backfield, then I'm going to line up near him. And so what you're doing is by, like you said, the 505, imagine a vice and you're vicing everything down because those DNs are literally crashing into everything. You've got a big nose in the middle that's trying to occupy the A gap. And now what you have is outside linebackers on the edge and a mic that can basically has the umbrella in the middle and he can rock either way. And then you have the extra benefit of having a person behind him that's not technically in the box that can now be what I call a cap fit and he can he can come from the top down and fit on top of things. So it makes it really hard for offenses to run their zone offense because it's like a it's like a vice. You're squeezing everything and everything has to bounce outside. Let's get into another area that um, you and I have discussed in the past, and that, that relates to some of the inverted coverages that yeah. go into this defense. Can you, what can you describe about that? So there's really a lot of people talk about inverted Tampa two. Um, and it's kind of one of those controversial things where you either kind of like it or you don't. Um, and really all it is, is it's a different way of making it look like a, a, a cut. You're playing cover two technically. Um, but it really is going to function more or less like a cover three. So you're out your your corners are going to what I call overlap. They're going to overlap on top of number two and your hash safeties are going to rally to the flat right now. So they're going to dart into the flat right now. And that, what that does is that allows your, your overhangs or the linebackers near the box. They just need to control the seam. So they're just going to work back vertically. Now the middle safety normally in a regular Tampa two, if you go back and you think of like, okay, late nineties, early 2000, Brian Erlacher running down the middle of the field, like a safety, right? Well, instead of doing that, you're just going to sit him in the middle, and then he's just going to control the middle of the hat from hash to hash. And so 
what you're trying to do is you're trying to funnel everything into the middle by overlapping the corners and you're creating this big funnel that goes into the middle of the field. So normally when you're playing a cover two, you don't want them to throw into the middle of the field, but because of the structure, you're trying to funnel everything to that middle safety uh, by just alignment. And what you're doing is you're, you're making that you're forcing them to throw outside or into the middle where it's compressed. Now the issue with it, is like any other cover three concept is that the seams are going to be exposed there um, especially if that corner can't overlap and you see that all the time in cover three the the seam the seam player doesn't carry two and the corner can't overlap in time and you can kind of get a hole shot there Um, that's one that you normally see uh, you see the others on the reverse side of that, you get to see the others where the corners cutting, like Iowa state plays the corners really aggressive and they'll run from sideline all the way in. And sometimes even make the play near the, near the, the line of scrimmage. And that's, that's a true Tampa look or what, what a lot of teams call double roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one that you see just in terms of inversion is you take the half safeties and you give the illusion that you're running this like five, this um, what I call umbrella coverage. So you've got the five DBs back. And then at the snap of the ball, those guys hammer down into the slot and, and the seam. And you basically get what's like an, uh, what I call three invert because you're inverting those guys down right now to the seam. And so that's usually what you see. Other variations that you might see is like what I call three cloud, which are rolling to one side. And so you're playing like a cover two concept one side, and then everybody's just kind of rolling. So those are kind of the the different ways. And that's why people like this is because you can be so multiple yet not really uh, have to teach a lot of different things. All right, I want to get your thoughts on the draft here, Cody, specifically Carolina's all-defensive draft. Of course, Derek Brown, the interior defensive force, goes in the first round to Carolina. Not a big surprise there. Some felt Simmons would be the guy, but uh, Brown obviously was on their radar. But I'm fascinated by the secondary and how they're building it through the draft here. What was your impression of how they drafted, and how do you see some of those pieces working? Yeah, I think what you're going to see is probably what – I don't think that you're going to see the three, three, five or the, the odd stack in the NFL as a, as a base defense yet. I don't, I don't think that we're there yet. And I don't think that that's something that snow and rule would probably like to do. I do think that you're going to see more or less of a hybrid three, four. You're going to see guys kind of move around into different spots as they, learn different roles. I think year one, I wouldn't expect a lot of things. I mean, if you go even back and look at what he was doing at temple and then what they did their first couple of years at Baylor, very vanilla, very traditional three, four. Now, do I think that they're going to run, um, will they, they're just going to throw away everything they did at Baylor? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, but I do think that you're going to see a little bit more hybrid, hybrid guys, guys, maybe playing, um, in different spots that you normally don't see as they try and kind of figure out w- what everybody can do. Now, defensively as a whole here, what do you anticipate from Carolina in 2020 and even 2021? Obviously, a new coordinator with Phil Snow from Baylor comes to Carolina. You're a Baylor guy. Tell us what to expect from Phil Snow in year one here. 
Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing that you will notice, and I and I think that was the one thing that I noticed is just defensively, just they're not going, you're not going to beat because it's fundamental, like you're not fundamentally sound. I, th- I think that's one thing, like I guarantee a rule's going to have, you know, you talk about some of the coaches in the NFL don't really hit during the week and others do. I think rule's going to be one of those guys that they're going to hit during the week. You know, tackling's going to be a focus for them. I think, uh, you know, you're going to see more or less more sound, not as exotic, but they're going to be more sound. Um, and, and that's one of the issues you, you kind of highlighted from the three, four is if you can't get interior control, then those guards just kind of have free reign and it's really hard. And I, and, you know, even a guy like Keekley, who's a future hall of famer, it's hard for those guys. If you have a guard in your face all the time to make plays. And I think what the, you know, pro- probably try and do is is you know try and get a little bit more interior control and maybe do some things to manipulate so that your linebackers aren't always you know one-on-one with the guard i know you kind of briefly went over it a little bit when when you're discussing some of the inverted cover three and what issues it poses but just in general with the defense that uh, phil snow will be you know implementing what type of problem areas do you see for the defense So what type of, I guess, areas can an offense potentially exploit in your mind? Well, I look at the reason why I don't think like going completely wholesale hybrid and going and playing small ball is just what you see with like with the, what the 49ers have done with 21 personnel, um, what more and more teams are doing with 12 personnel uh, having a, a flex tight end and how, because mm-hmm. the moment that you go small, you know, the, 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 the opposite of that is that the offense is going to go big. Uh, and so mm-hmm. you got to really, you got to really be careful of how you use your hybrid guys and what kind of hybrid are they, you know, the bit, are they a big hybrid? Because I think that's the future of the NFL. I, I mean, I think we've already seen box safeties. We've already seen center field safeties. We've seen big corners. We've seen small corners. I think everybody's kind of used to that. I think mm-hmm. we're the, and, and, and really even the edge players now where you have the pass rush specialists or guys that are glorified outside linebackers. But I think that's kind of the deal of being able to find a linebacker that can guard a tight end. You know, it, you know, that's again, that's why Carolina drafted Chin because that's a, the very first, they, you know, the first thing that they're going to do with him is they're going to tell him, look, you're guarding the tight end and then we'll blitz you every once in a while. Yeah, I think we're all fascinated with Jeremy Chin. What's the best fit for him in Phil Snow's defense? I think any time that you get a guy that you can move around and, and can stay on the field, I think that's the key. Regardless of personnel, can he stay on the field? When you can get a guy like that, then it opens up so many other things for you of, okay, he's an every down player, but he fits. If they go 12 personnel, he fits. If they go 11, he fits on third and long when they go, when they go, you know, maybe 10 or they, they bring in, they flex their tight end out and it looks like 10 personnel and they're going more four four open. I think to me, that's kind of where, again, guys like that, where a couple years ago, five, 10 years ago, a guy like that, you're like, okay, well, he's a, a square peg and we have this round hole. How are we going to, you know, and you're what, to get him to fit in that hole, you have to cut parts off of, of his game, right? Mm-hmm. To get him to fit in there. And so by the time he becomes that, 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 you know, he fits in that hole. Well, now he's not the same player that he was. 
And I think that's kind of where we're at in the NFL now is of, of kind of those bigger hybrid players that, you know, you need to be able to play on every down because you need to be able to play against the personnel that's going out there. I mean, I totally agree with that. And I think one conclusion you can take from what you've said in the past is that in order to be successful in the modern game, you have to be adaptive. And I want to take a more of a macro look, not specifically at Baylor, but just in general, like what have you seen in the past maybe 12 to 24 months as defenses have evolved? What type of adaptation have the best defenses took that's made them successful in your opinion? Well, it used to be, even in the NFL, it used to be very predictable what you were going to get defensively. And I think at some times it still relatively is. It's very predictable what you're going to get. Um, and I think it, you, you used to be either you were a 3-4 or you were a 4-3. And this is just, you know, we are, we're either a 4-3 cover one team or we're a 4-3 cover two Tampa two team, or now we're 3-4 and, and we're doing this. We're kind of, you know, an under front. We're coming, doing a front. And you have all these different just, but this is who we are. We don't really change. And I think what you're seeing more in the past couple of years is that teams are starting to realize like, okay, we've got to be a little bit more multiple in what we're doing because otherwise we're just going to be sitting ducks. And we're just, the offense has answers. I mean, you know, I was talking to a friend, a coaching friend of mine. At this point in time, quarters is quarters. Everybody kind of knows how to defeat quarters. So if you're going to run quarters, everybody kind of gets it. And then at cover three is cover three. And so how how are you going to be different? And I think that how how you do that is by presentation, pre-snap presentation. I think you mm -hmm. I think you're seeing more and more. And you can do this in the NFL more than you can in college, but more exotic presentations, you know, and then the, the post snap, it morphs into, okay, we're going to show single high. And then now we're going to run a cover two scheme, or we're going to show cover two. And now we're spinning down into cover three and we're doing it in different ways. And I think to me that post snap movement make the quarterback have to scan while the bullets are firing that to me is where defenses have started to kind of get a little bit better and catch up in that sense. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that. And that one of the defenses that I particularly enjoyed last year was uh, in the NFL was Baltimore. And I think they're a classic example of that. They really weren't married to any one philosophy, but they had such a diverse amount of pre-snap uh, motions and it obviously worked to, to their credit and they were one of the best defenses in the league. Now, I'm curious to get your take, Cody, on Joe Brady from a coach's perspective, which you are, of course. Joe Brady comes from the Sean Payton tree. I mean, let's just face it. And what Sean Payton likes to do, more than most people give him credit for, is power running. Especially that four-minute drill, he likes to get a lead on you, and he just likes to grind you. He uses a lot of 21 personnel, a lot of 12 personnel, and Carolina has the components to, to utilize that, I do believe. But I do no, he will be spreading the field out. That's going to happen with Joe Brady. But talk about that marriage between what he's learned under Sean Payton and some of the things he did at LSU last year as a pass game coordinator. What does Joe Brady bring to Carolina in 2020? Well, I think for I think the use of uh, I think he he stepped into a gold mine with McCaffrey. I think you see what they used with. Uh, you know, the, his running back at LSU last year, uh, he went to the chiefs. Uh, I think yeah. they're going to use, they're going to use McCaffrey's 
just in a multitude of different ways and really challenge the defense on every down of accounting for him, whether he's in a box or he's not. Uh, and, and really too, that puts a lot of, it takes a lot of pressure off of the receivers to win the down every time too. I think that when they know, okay, look, you know, the quarterback too knows, okay, at the end of the day, we can find ways to get, you know, probably our best offensive player open free in the passing game, or we can manipulate it to get him on a, a linebacker and we can win that one-on-one -on -one matchup. And I think it takes a lot of pressure off of the, the receivers too, because they don't feel like they're having to always get open. You know, does that, that make sense? Yeah. No, totally. And I think what Brady will, will do is take is really take what the saint he did with the saints and, and take that LSU offense and maybe add a little bit more of a, a, a power run game to it and not just be so reliant on, on zone and duo and, and, and things like that uh, and try and put a little bit more on uh, that way. But I, I don't, I think that he's walking into a situation where you can run 11 personnel on multiple downs. If you want to run some 12, that's great. But I mean, when he was at, at LSU, I mean, it was 11. It, I call it all 11 football. Those 11 players were the 11 that were on foot on there, and they, they weren't coming off. So Teddy Bridgewater's the guy now. Of course, Cam Newton has moved on. That's been the big story this offseason in Carolina, as you know, Cody. But I'm fascinated by Bridgewater. I've seen some of the tape. I know Billy has, too. Uh, there's some pluses. There's some minuses there. I do like some of the poise playing within structure. And I like some of the throws he made last year. But uh, let's face it, there was a lot of things Sean Payton did to keep him safe. A lot of seven, eight-man protections, a good running game, good defense. Is Teddy Bridgewater a bona fide starter for this franchise moving forward, or is it just a bridge, as we've talked about? I I think that if they if they really didn't think that they had a quarterback, I think that you would have seen seen them go after maybe and and, and you know because a lot of times when you're in that transition, you go and you get two, maybe two kind of journeyman guys, and you're like, okay, look, we're just going to hold out until next year. We're going to eat this, and then we'll just draft somebody the next year. But I really think with Bridgewater, you have he's far enough away from the injury. You know, he had that success at, at the Saints. And yes, you can attribute it to the system that he was in. But I do think he's a talented guy. I think he can add something to it. You know, even when he was, if he could just be middle of the pack, he's got enough. You know, I think that you, you can kind of lean on McCaffrey, um, you, you know, develop more as a receiver. You know, he's a legit one receiver, kind of create, try and find ways of creating a number two receiver, maybe find a slot that can give you something and then clean up that offensive line. And I think that you might be able to get him to get you, to get you through a season and be successful and maybe, maybe challenge for the playoffs. And then if you get an opportunity to draft a quarterback, you know, you go and you draft, you draft the quarterback that you think you can develop. I mean, you were, following Baylor pretty closely and it took really two years. Well, the, in their second year, they did make a bowl game, but three years for them for the Matt rule project to kind of reach its pinnacle, which was a big 12 title game appearance and the sugar bowl appearance as well. What type of kind of expectations do you think are fair for rule within the next two to three years? I think you got to give them, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of turnover. Um, I think that they have some pieces. I think you got it, but you got to give him at least a couple years to get his style in there and let him get, let him get a couple drafts. Like you said, you know, they basically just drafted defense, you know, they, they need a tight end. They need to probably find a slot receiver. 
Um, they, you know, clean up the offensive line. I think, I think you got to give them a couple years. I don't think that they hired rule, uh, as somebody that's going to, they're only going to give two years and then they're just going to fire him. I think you got to give them at least two, you know, he's really shown that it takes him about three years to get a team going. I mean, he's done it everywhere that he's been at temple at Baylor. I think that he can do, I think that he could do the same thing in the NFL. He's an NFL guy. He's been around. I think that's, that's what he's wanted to be anyway. And so I think he he'll have a plan in place. And I think if you'll be, you'll be surprised at year three, maybe even year two of how competitive they are. Cody Alexander was our guest today. Cody, this was a great conversation. Take a moment here, tell our friends and listeners where they can find your content, your stuff. How do we reach you? Yeah, so you can, uh, matchquarters.com is is the site that I've been at. I just moved over to matchquarters.substack.com, uh, which is more of a subscription-based site. Okay. Um, so you can find me on there. Uh, I do have a YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, type in match quarters, you'll find a lot of clinics. If you're more of a visual person, I've been doing a, I've been going through the top 10 uh, DVOA matchups throughout the season and kind of doing an NFL matchup thing on, on YouTube. So if you're into that, um, I have a whole, I call it chess match, MQ chess match. So you can find that on the playlist in, in, in YouTube as well. Cody, this was fantastic. Very instructive. I know a lot of fans had questions about Carolina's defense, and they still probably do, but this, I think, answered some of those questions from a schematic, from a personnel standpoint. Thanks so much for making time. Next week, Billy and I join Warren Sharp. That's Tuesday on The Roar right here on Blue Wire. Don't miss it. Check us out. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Spread the word. We're having a ball here. This is episode four. Number five is coming up next week. Guys, have a great weekend. John and Billy signing off here on Blue Wire. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.